Hey, what's up, guys? It's Dan from United Q. It's Wednesday, which means we have another awesome podcast to get you over hump day. I'm here with my co-host, Ben. Hello. And we are brought to you by ProQ Barbecue Gourmet, Kamado Joe, and Smokewood Shack, our awesome sponsors. ProQ is dedicated to providing you with quality smoking products with top-notch service and free advice to beginners to pit masters. And you can find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under ProQ Smokers. So if you're thinking about buying your first smoker, wanting to upgrade, or looking for a charcoal cabinet smokers, check them out over at Max Barbecue. And Barbecue Gourmet is devoted to promoting real barbecue and supplying the UK and Europe with top championship winning barbecue rubs, sauces, marinades, and accessories from the US and around the world. And you can find them on Twitter and online under Barbecue Gourmet. So regardless of how you cook, whether it's on charcoal, wood, gas or electric, the real taste of barbecue can be yours all year round. And Kamado Joe is renowned for build quality and innovation. From smoking, roasting or searing, Kamado Joe is the premium ceramic grill and gill, chosen by Michelin star chefs and barbecue enthusiasts alike. Get that great barbecue taste and keep the moisture locked in. Check out kamadojoe.co.uk plus Facebook and Twitter. And on today's show, we have Andy Anna. Hi, Andy. Hello, how are you doing? Good, great to have you on. How are you doing? Good. Yeah, it's good to be here. Thank you for the call. No worries. We've been there. Uh, a lot of the uh, listeners have been asking for us to get you on, so uh, so here we are. Oh, great. Well, that's good. Well, I'm happy to be here. You are like, often referred to as, as sort of one of the, uh, I don't know, one of the like sort of founding sort of guys in the UK here of the sort of barbecue scene and and, uh, and taking it sort of to the next level? Yeah, I probably started around, um, probably almost 20 years ago, I think. It was when I was still in the meat industry. And um, and that's when I started getting the bug for it. And, uh, and you know how it takes you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> We're more than, more than obsessed. So you say the meat industry, yeah, so, it, so yeah. what did you, uh, what did you used to do? Um, I really started out as a butcher, and then I was um, uh, a meat um, inspector, where he'd stomp the carcasses and pass them fit for human consumption. And then uh, I went to meat sales, where I travelled around the whole country, the many countries, selling meat to hotels and restaurants and, and the likes. And then I started working for myself um, in 1999, I think, where our first business in Leeds. Cool, so... Uh, a meat inspector, what's involved in that? What are you checking for when you're <coughs> checking whether meat's fit for human consumption? Uh, yes, yes, so that you make you know, sure that there's no IDAT exists in there and everything that the BSC and all that sort of stuff, you sort of got to go through the whole thing. It's quite quite an intense training. I did six years at college in the meat uh, oh, wow. in the meat meat department. <laughs> yeah. And then I went back to the college to teach. I used to teach uh, a class there, um a class of chefs we used to do meat cutting and, and the likes after that. Cool, that cool. sounds good. I'd love to go on that course. <laughs> yeah, we sort of stood in good stead knowing a lot about meat um, when I sort of came into the barbecue and, and smoking world, really. Massively. Who knows more than than, your, than a butcher? So, And a, I guess the sort of meat inspector and studying meat for, for six years at college must have given you a great insight into into a lot of stuff. So I imagine uh, that, that st- started you off in a really good place to, to break into the barbecue scene. Yeah, that's it, that's it. And, you know, some of the cuts that we're using uh, now, you know, a lot of people have never heard of before, and just little things that we use that um, that I know that at the moment is very cheap. It's like a lot of stuff, you know, like the Jacob's Ladder a few years ago, nobody had heard of it, and it was actually known as the, the an oven buster. The grandma, grandma used to roast them in the oven, used to double in size. Well, they, do, they still do. <laughs> um, if you roast them at a high heat in the oven, and... You know, th- them sort of old-fashioned cuts are now being used in the UK 
uh, well, all over the world, but in the UK we're using a lot of that type of thing that was cheaper. But because of supply and demand, they've got expensive. So I tend to use stuff that people um, are still not using, and I keep it a bit quiet because I want to keep the price as low as I possibly can. <laughs> Right, do we need to stop the recording and you need to open up here? <laughs> <laughs> no, we won't stop it, you can tell us. <laughs> awesome, so do, at the same time as that inspecting it, do, do you like grade it for quality and stuff or is that not done at that point? That's, that wasn't our job. Um, at, at the time, it, it was graded by uh, the Meat and Livestock Commission and that's when it gets graded and... Um, they do they do all that the classification of the um, of the carcass and all that sort of stuff is what the meat and livestock commission does. We simply pass it so that it's fit for human consumption. Okay, and is there like were you certified to do like all different meats, or are you like only certified in yeah, certain was, areas? Or I was qualified in um, beef, lamb, and pork, and then a separate exam to do poultry. Okay. Awesome, yeah. Uh, which was, uh, it was certainly in good stead. You know, there wasn't a job that I particularly liked doing. I mean, it's not, not a particularly glamorous job working in an abattoir. Um, but at the age of 19 and 20, it was uh, big books. <laughs> Travelling up and down the country, sort of, uh, is, is, I mean, good dollar at it. But then what happened was um, the BSE thing came in and whatever, and they started bringing in a lot of um, vets and trainee vets from abroad to do the jobs that we were doing and um and i started doing fast tracks to get you through quicker because they needed a lot of meat inspectors at the time and you couldn't make the money um this you know, what you could when i when i was actually doing it i didn't do it for too long i probably only did it for two years but um it was a great couple of years sort of the age of 1920 and seeing the country traveling about and because um, i used to do it as a relief i didn't i wasn't particularly set in one place so I used to travel all over the place, and um, but yeah, it was great. It was a nice, nice little life, but it wasn't, wouldn't be something that I would like to do forever. <laughs> yeah, that's very interesting. It's not like the sort of job that you immediately would think would get you to travel around. I don't think, is it? No, well, I actually love my travelling, and that's why I, you know I do a lot of travelling now, and and that, that's through barbecue. So I've managed to travel quite a lot um, through my through my work, which has been good. Yeah. So what? So what took you from doing that to becoming uh, oh, so, international barbecue? Well, we went into um, opening uh, our own meat company, and we supply meat to um, a lot of TV sets, you know, um, like Emmerdale and Corey and Heartbeat and the likes, whatever. And we we supplied all the meat to these guys, and then we opened up a retail outlet, and. I used to enter a lot of the barbecue product competitions, which was run by the Meat and Livestock Commission. And um, so I was coming up with innovative cuts of meat and stuff for the barbecue. So I used to travel over to Holland, where I got a lot of my inspiration in the meat from Holland. And um, with the Kirschlager butchers, I trained with the Kirschlagers. Um, so is that like, because um, they do they use like sort of the, you know, the cheaper cuts you're talking about that people don't really use? Do they tend to... Is that... Where you got that from? Well, is, do they tend to use the whole animal, whole animal a bit better? Or yeah, but they they did really well at breaking whole carcass down, particularly beef. They could break a whole beef carcass down and <clears throat> make it into because um, the Dutch are not renowned for making good beef. In most, it's dairy cattle. Which, if you took, um, the, if you cut it, if you cut some dairy cattle the way that we cut like pure steer meat, 
um, and fried roasting it and cooking it the same sort of way, that, um, particularly the, most ex- the more expensive cuts, it doesn't eat very well. Um, because it's, it's a machine, it's been, doing a, it's been doing a lot of work on its life yeah. as a cow, um, and it tends to be tough and there's lots of connective tissue in there, gristle, thick gristle, and it doesn't, the meat actually doesn't eat as good. So what the Dutch did <coughs> was started breaking it down into very small pieces, and they'd make beef olives and, and stuff like that, and then they'd stuff things, and so they're making more kitchen-ready prepared products. Okay. Um, so I took a trip over to Holland, and I started working with the Kirschlager butchers, who were specialists at this this type of butchery, and um, brought it back over to England, um, where we I do the same sort of products, make the same type of products, but using very high quality meat. So we ended with a fantastic product because we weren't using the cow meat, we were using good quality meat yeah. and breaking it down in the same sort of way. So I started entering barbecue contests, um, I think around 1997, 80, 1997, 1998, around that area. <clears throat> um, and just started doing really well at it because we'd sort of taken the scene butchery work brought it over here to England and started putting that into, into the contest. And we started doing really well. And and it took off. And then the Q Guild of Butchers, which are like the elite butchers over in England, yeah. which were similar similar to the Kirschlager over in Holland, um, they started doing a lot of work. And they, they went over to Holland and Germany and doing the same sort of thing. And, and that's why you see a lot of that type of um, broken down, ready prepared kitchen repair products now. Um in the awesome. butcher shops. That's cool, because, yeah. I mean, so we are talking about the sort of thing, when you go to butchers and it's sort of pre-packaged, like ready to roast meats or ready to cook this or ready to cook that, and it's been stuffed and rolled and pinned and yeah. the rest of it, so that's the sort of stuff we're talking about. Yeah, that's it. Awesome. Yeah. That's really cool. So, wow. you really mm. brought that over to the UK then? Well, I did, uh, I did not, didn't I? I, mean, I didn't actually bring it over to the UK, but I was probably one of the first over, over here. That was really it. pushing it and, and taking it to sort of that next level. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, definitely. That's yeah. really cool. So that's over 10 years ago, so, and here we are today. Oh, no, that was, it was 20, longer than that. I mean, 20 did, years ago, sorry. Yeah, around 20 years ago. In fact, I was probably doing it well before then. I mean, 19, 25 years ago, um, I represented the National Association of Catering Butchers in a contest, doing a similar thing, had to break down a pork shoulder. So that was 20, oh, 19, I was 19, so it was 26 years ago, something like that. So when you say you were a butcher, you weren't just a butcher, you were a, like a top, top class butcher then, you were as sort of as good as it gets? Um, well, yeah, we used to be, I used to do pretty well at butchery. The thing was butchery, I was good at it, but I didn't particularly enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's, <laughs> it's funny, and when we had our business, um, that was, it was that same again, I was, I was good at it, but I didn't enjoy doing it. So, as the meat business was... It was getting harder and harder to make money in the meat business. Our barbecue business was getting better and better. So that's when we made the flip, and we just went into just doing barbecues at that point. So what what was the barbecue competition scene like back then? Oh, the, it wasn't very good. I mean, it, it was totally different, I suppose. Um, it was a lot of contests organised by smaller... Um, and you get them like the Meat and Livestock Commission had organised a lot of product contests. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't actually about the cooking; it was about making the, the meat products. <clears throat> they were very good. Um, I don't think we do them these days. I'm not sure if they do or not. 
Oh, the Q Guild might have uh, might have taken over with that that sort of thing. Um, but the actual barbecue grilling competitions um, were when, when I say not very good. I think it depends on what you're comparing it against. Now, if you're to compare it against the big contests that you have these days, the KCPSs and the likes, um, yes, they're not. But as far as a backyard type barbecue contest goes. Um, it was perfect, and for me at the time when I was trying to promote our meat products through the butchery, it was ideal because it was showing that um, our meat products, and what we were doing well in the little contest that we were doing, um, it was great for our customers to sort of see what yeah. we were making and, and how we how we could cook it easily. Do you know what I mean? Nothing complicated. Yeah, so it's more like an opportunity to showcase how great your product was, really. That's really what we did it for. Yeah, mm. yeah. Awesome. So, what sort of so back then like in the sort of competitions you were talking about, what sort of things were you cooking then? So it it, it wouldn't have been your sort of as you're saying your KCBS meat like meats or anything. So no, what, what sort of stuff like back that. there were, were you doing? Like just standard sort of British barbecue backyard sort of stuff. But yeah, very much so. I mean, it was cool. it was um, we were making some really fancy products, we were using some really nice marinades and stuff, and it was very very different. It was. <clears throat> um, High-class meat products, um, and a lot of the time you could cook whatever you wanted. It wasn't a case of, you know, you could, you've got to cook a brisket or ribs or pork or whatever, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you, could, you could cook um, just about anything you wanted, so that's when our meat products um, and our manufactured products and stuff sort of came into the road, and that's why we did sort of quite well on the meat sales side of it, because we did well in the competitions, if you know what I mean. Mm. But it was very much... Uh, grilling and hot and fast and smoking and planking and that type of thing. Um, but nothing that would take too long. You know, if, any, if anything took over an hour, um, it, for me it was too long because I wanted to showcase as many products as I possibly could. Right. So it's a completely yeah, different way of doing the competition then, really? Yeah, yeah. Totally yeah. different. Totally, yeah. yeah. And is that, is that, were you like winning barbecue it's, championships it's back then? Or? It was in, it was in, it was as enjoyable. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. It was good. It was really enjoyable. We loved it actually. But um, the thing is, as well for me, it, it was all. It was always about promoting the business. It was never really a hobby. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. Um, so I've never really got into uh, the competition thing as a hobby. Um, if I if I had a different type of job, if I was going out to work um, for a company and barbecue was my thing on a weekend like it used to be when I was fishing <laughs> yeah. um, that'd, be, that'd be totally different but because it's my job uh, sort of that comes first and it, it did help with the promotion of, of the business when we first started so when you first started the business what, what was the business is it was it catering or ah, yes it was um, it was butchery yeah but, but we started doing um, the hog roast on the gas um, probably, mm, cranky, mm, uh, 20 years ago. Wow. So we started doing that. And we got the contract to do um, quite a lot of the hotels, uh, Harewood House, which is up in Leeds, and Queen's Cousin. And we did the weddings up there. We, did, we, we, we ended up doing quite a lot. And it was a, a total accident. I was asked if I could do... Um, a hog roast for a wedding, and I actually borrowed all the equipment to do it, and we did the job. It was quite funny. It was um, 
And then I, b- I bought the equipment off the guy that I borrowed it off. Uh, our first ever gas hog roaster, and it was made by a farmer. And I think we made, I, don't know, I can't remember how much it was. We made a few hundred quid, a thousand pounds or something. And um, But there was nobody else doing the hog roast in the day then. Yeah, no. So we ended, up, we ended up having a fleet of them after a long time. And so we had them out going out all over the place. And everybody else started doing it. And the, the little butcher down the road bought a hog roast machine, and the, the hotel bought a hog roast machine. So we basically laid that to one side, and if somebody wants one now, we'll, we'll do it, but we don't really want to do it. Or we'll do it, and we'll do it in a different type of way. We'll, you know, we'll totally not do it like um, the, the ones that are roasted these days. I, I would tend to take all the rind off it and cook that separately and mess around with it a bit and make it Cuban style or... Uh, you know what I mean? But Definitely, yeah. Like to, yeah, sounds like good. To make it, like to make it totally different. Amazing. Yeah. And yeah. like a different spin on it. I mean, look, I'm I'm literally staring at, at the sort of menu uh, now, or not not your menu from then, but uh, looking at some of the stuff that you're doing. And uh, so so from from that, and you can what I was trying to say there was that you can see that you you put like a a different spin on things, and you, you're introducing stuff like, I mean, a bit of fusion going on there. Not just your your sort of normal barbecue sort of fare. You got a bit of everything going on there, and and bits from all over the world. Which is which is awesome yeah. to see. So from that stage where where you sort of uh, put the the hog roast to the side. So so where, where did, what 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 happened from there? Okay, so at that point when we were doing that, we were still butchers. We were still running the butchery business, and then we started doing hog, uh, hog roast, and we started doing a few barbecues as well, and um, and it just took off, and it went pretty crazy, really. And um, we were doing a lot of birthday parties and private private stuff, really. Birthday parties, anniversaries and things like that, but nothing too major. And it wasn't until 2006 when um, I was asked to do a barbecue down in Pontefract, between Pontefract and Doncaster. And we did a gig down there for a lady's 40th, um, which was really nice. The guy who organised it rang me a week later and said, Andy, that was uh, really great. The party last week, uh, on wife's birthday, fantastic. Will you do another one for me in Scotland? And I okay. went, cracking. <laughs> at that time, I'd not travelled far at all, really, um, without with this little business that we had running then. And uh, I said, well, I'll go if it's worth my while going. And he says, well, I know that we've got you down to do my wife's birthday party, but... I'm actually the organiser for the Queen's 80th birthday at Balmoral Castle, and we'd like you to come up and do the garden party. Wow. So that was quite a coup, which we did. And um, So what did you cook for the Queen? We did. Uh, we did can't imagine. Uh, can you come and barbecue for the Queen? I couldn't imagine that moment where you start to think about, oh, what am I going to cook for the Queen? <laughs> Yeah, we fed, <laughs> there was about 7,000 people there, and we fed about 3,000, wow. I think. Wow. And um, we took up a whole Tamworth pig, which is like a centrepiece. We took up um, whole sirloins of beef, whole chickens, and uh, I don't think much more than all the sides. Wow. And we, we went up that day, stayed in Aberdeen that night, and then we went across to Tabalata, set everything up, did the gig, and then we came back that night, and then opened the butcher's shop up at 6 o'clock the next morning. <laughs> 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 so we, we 
fit it all in with no sleep. And um, and we made no money at it at all. We made £200 out of the whole gig. And I thought to myself, what have I just done? Why have I done that? And it wasn't until a month later, our order books just went absolutely crazy. When it um, when we put it out there, what we'd just done and stuff, um, it went nuts. And it was from then, really, that we decided that we should be doing um, the barbecues and uh, as, as a full-time thing. So that's what we did. Wow, and that's we went, cool. <clears throat> we, went, we went full-time just doing the barbecues and... Uh, and Never really looked back since. It must have been like a bit of a kick in the teeth. You got back 200 quid in your pocket yeah. from all of that, serving 3,000 people, uh, that massive trip yeah. up. And, yeah, I, must, I didn't, must, I didn't look at the bigger picture at the time. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's it. I didn't look at the bigger picture of, of, of what actually came from it. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, we were very happy with what came out of it. Yeah, amazing. You know, it was totally the best marketing I could have ever had. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so that works well for us. Awesome. And then, um, and from that, we sort of ended up doing some sort of really nice gigs with which for a lot of um, footballers and actors, um, various celebrities and stuff. And we've worked all over the world, and that's why when you just said there. Which I, I giggled to myself a little bit when you said you've seen uh, one of the menus. I'm not sure which one you're looking at, but um, when you said it looks like it's a bit of a fusion of stuff going on, well, that's exactly what what we do and what I do now, um, because we've travelled over the past four or five years now into 35 different countries doing barbecue, wow. and um, so my influence, a lot of it on the menu now, just doesn't doesn't just come from American style barbecue. No, um, you can clearly but, see that. I'm, yeah, it's my influence comes from all the different places that we've been to and travelled at. So you know, you might see some Indian in there with some Brazilian or some, you know, a British banger <laughs> type of thing. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so that's that's where it comes from now. My my influence is definitely really not just American barbecue, although American barbecue is what hooks me. So when when did the American barbecue hook you then? So. So, like, you went from uh, sort of doing the hog roasts and then doing sort of, I mean, you mentioned, like, sirloins, you're doing, like, sort of steak, and you're still pretty, sort of, what I would say, like, British barbecue, maybe, is is around there. So, so then when when did, like, the sort of US sort of style kick um, in? I would think about, I think it was, it was either 2000... I think it was either 2006 or 2007. Cool. That's, um, we took a trip over to Memphis. Yeah. Memphis in, Memphis in May. And um, I met up with a, a load of guys that I'm still big friends with now. And uh, and I, I just got the bug. I just got the bug. Yeah. Awesome. And it, it was... It was it was a fantastic fantastic journey from there really, <clears throat> and it's it's got us to travel all over the place. And I've always wanted to travel the world. How the heck can I afford to travel the world? I can't just give up my work and just travel the world. Um, but I would love to see the world. So um, being able to sort of do things that we've done, whether it's been a catered event or it's been a class or a demonstration or something or a fundraiser, um, we've managed to get over thirty five countries now. I think in the past five years. 
awesome amazing yeah lucky lucky man <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> but it's, but amazing, but it's still hard though as well the small community of the barbecue world so everybody helps each other as you know and you know to, you know to you'll get a call one day um like the beginning of this year when teddy reader called me and said we're doing a gig out on the um, borders of alaska for barbecue for 24 fishing and doing the fancy coming and doing it together it's fantastic and we get lots of opportunities like that on various places although this year has been a rough year for me for it i've, I've cancelled trips to um brazil north carolina estonia and zanzibar because um my mum's been really young so i've just wanted to hang around home uh this year so um so the likelihood is i'll probably be doing a bit of traveling again next year yeah well, sometimes you've got to bring it home and, and to do what you got to do. Yeah, that's it. I mean, we can travel any time, but you've only got one mother. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I can see from your Twitter profile picture, you mentioned that's like, cooking with celebrities. There's a photo of you there with Chris Evans. Um, yeah, that was the... I can't remember what year that was. That was a street party for Kate and William. Oh, right. Um, it was the... Yeah, the street party uh, on the one show. And we cool. did food for John Coulshaw, uh, Jay Rayner, Chris Evans, um, Suggsy from Madness, who's one of my heroes. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. <laughs> it was great to see you. Uh, yeah, yeah, that, that was a, a good little day as well. Yeah. You know, we've, we've been very lucky to uh, have cooked for some good people. <clears throat> Yeah, and it's Cracker Jack Barbecue, isn't it? That's your Cracker Jack. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the business name that you trade under. Yeah, we trade under Cracker Jack Barbecue. Cool. Yeah. So, having gone from being being like a butcher and doing a couple of events, so so how did you find like going into the the, the sort of barbecue catering? What what sort of like uh, what sort of work went into that, and how did you find that? Was it was it hard to get into, hard to get your head round, or was it sort of just second nature to you, and you found it pretty easy, easy going? Because um, of the meat business, and because of um, at the time, probably most of my friends were chefs, because I was travelling up and down the country before this, um, supplying meat to restaurants and hotels, and um, and event businesses and event caterers. So I had a good insight into what went on. Um, to start with then the meat business helped with me um, on the meat side of things and it sort of just came together um, I went out and I bought um, I started out with a little red kangoo little tiny little van and um, that didn't last us very long because we just outgrew it and then we bought a, a Mavano was it a big long wheel based um, like a bigger than a transit type yeah. of thing and then it's it's sort of grown into what we have now, which we have seven and a half ton lorries and trailers and towables and all sorts of stuff. Um, <laughs> really? That's crazy. Yeah. And um, the type of equipment that we might have, we might have the, um, the tandoors. Like it was the same with our, our barbecues. It's more like fire cookery than just sort of barbecue, yeah. if you know what I mean. Um, so we'd have a tandoors and our perilla grills. Um, we've got ceramics. And then you might have seen this year we've, we brought out the Wall of Fire, which um, which we brought out for just for a birthday party. A guy down in Norfolk 
um, asked me to do a birthday party near Sandringham. And he wanted something that um, him and his friends had not seen before. So I said, well, just let me dream something up. <laughs> and uh, so I came back to fire. This, this idea of the wall of fire. And um, and he went for it. So I, got, I had it fabricated. I used some fabricators in West Yorkshire that um, make a lot of my equipment. And they seem to be working for me all the time. They're always doing something for me. Um, so I got them to build this wall of fire, which they managed to do in a record time. I think they probably did it in less than a week. And I'd not even used it. <laughs> so we didn't even get a chance to practice it. I had to go and pick it up, and then we drove straight to Norfolk and set it up. And um, and we did it for this guy's birthday, and it was a, it was fantastic. So having done some tweaks to it, I've um, chopped and changed it around a bit, and uh, it, it now works a treat. So I just can't wait for the snow this year, because I want to set it up in the snow. That'd be amazing. That'd look awesome. Yeah, that's really, yeah, I think it'd look really cool. So I'm just... Hoping I've been told that there's a good chance of snow tonight up in Harrogate. Tonight. <laughs> <laughs> <Wow>. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you're at the ready then, ready to light up? <laughs> maybe not quite, but if, if we've got some snow for next week, then maybe I will be. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So for no one who's seen it, can you describe like what the wall of looks like and how you'd cook on it? Yeah. So <clears throat> um, it's one, two, three, four shelves. And it's basically... Um, like four shelves of just metal shelves. And this thing weighs um, all together probably just around a ton of metal. Um, <laughs> so we've, I've had it assembled so that I don't have any, there's no nuts and bolts and stuff, so I can just actually snap together, which, which is good. Um, and then we loaded it with uh, logs and it took, oh, when we first lit it, um, around two pallets of logs um, 10, 12 kilo bags of charcoal and wow. then loads of uh, kindling and, and stuff like that. Uh, so yeah, it took a lot to get it going. <laughs> <laughs> but because it was so open, it burnt out pretty quickly so we had to keep loading it up. It was, it was an expensive thing to run. Yeah, I was going to say, you can't um, make much money on that one. <laughs> but as far as visual... It looked it, wicked though. <laughs> Yeah, it did, it did look wicked. Um, um, how yeah, was it, how was it to yeah, cook a on A lot there? of charcoal, <laughs> a lot of fuel went into it. Um, it was great, yeah, as far as visual impact went, it went, it went uh, fantastic. It was fantastic. Cool. And you mentioned as well you've got a tandoor. Like I'd, I'd quite like to try that. I haven't ever cooked in a tandoor oven myself. Um, well, I went like? out to do um, uh, a demonstration uh, with the round table. Um, cool. I can't remember, about four or five years ago. And I was supposed to get out there with them Tobolots. And at the time, his beautiful girlfriend had cancer. And I told him, I said to him, look, and if you want to stay here and just look after the girl, you stay here and look after the girl, and I'll go and do it by myself. So that's what we ended up doing. And um, we went out to India uh, to do some demonstrations to raise some money to build schools and save the tiger. And... Um, Whilst I was out there, obviously, we got cooking on the tandoors and stuff in a lot of the hotels that we were staying at. And um, I came back and said, the first thing I said to Penny when I got back home, so the first thing I'm going to do is buy myself a charcoal tandoor. And I bought one that week. <laughs> and I came back. And now we use it on events. Funnily enough, the first time, I can't believe it, the first time I ever used it, um, 
was for a quiz thing. Uh, unbeknownst to me, it was an Indian quiz name. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> it was a bit like close to Newcastle. But, uh, Did you manage yeah, to impress? It was, really, it was really good. It was really good. Awesome. That's really cool. That's, I mean, we talk about all the time on the show about inspiration and stuff like that, but, I mean, it just really shows, I mean, your menu speaks volumes for the travelling you've done and the inspiration you've had from, from around the world. And, and I'm just... Uh, even now sort of flicking through some of the pictures on, on Instagram and, and sorry, on uh, Twitter and you can see like the sort of stuff you do and, and, and it's amazing. Yeah. yeah I mean, it, it, the inspiration originally did come from, um, well, obviously it was a me thing, but, but to get hooked into the live fire cooking was definitely um, in America. That's where I got, that's where I got hooked. But I don't know. There's only so much pulled pork and brisket you can eat. <laughs> and I, I am quite adventurous with my food. And I do like, uh, I, I love my food. Um, I love my meat. And I, I just think to myself, you know, it's all right putting um, an American menu on over here uh, on my events, but not everybody's going to want it. And I wanted to, I wanted to try and cater for everybody, uh, including our vegetarian friends. So, that's why my menus sort of come from where they do. I, I try and fit in. Um, I try and fit in everything now, and that's why our platters are, I suppose, are very um, uh, popular nowadays. Even at the weddings, where we'll just bring in um, three tiers of meat, uh, which is all different. Awesome. And it's going. It's good. Yeah, it's, it's it's going really well. Cool. In in um, I've heard people mentioning when talking about you the blues bar is that that's... the blues bar yep yeah. we've been there exactly one year now um, the blues bar has been the institution in Harrogate for 30 some years and it was a total accident that I'm in there I was down at the cash and carry and Simon who I've known for many years who owns the blues bar said to me um, Andy I'm looking for a smoker for the blues bar and I said why the hell would you want a smoker in the blues bar when you've got an Egyptian restaurant in there this place had been an Egyptian restaurant for 13 years above the Blues Bar. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> then he then explained to me that the guy um, had cancer who had the restaurant and he was going back home to Cairo. So I said, Simon, you basically told me you've got an empty restaurant. And he said, yes. And I said, well, I'll just take the restaurant. Don't, don't bother with you, smoker. I'll sort all that out. And I said, I'll just take the restaurant. And he said, are you joking? I said, no. So that was on the Wednesday that week. Um, which was one year ago, and we moved in on the Friday. <laughs> wow! You move fast then. <laughs> so after a, after a bit of refurb and all that sort of stuff, um, we sort of opened probably four four or five months later, something like that. Awesome. Cool. So, so what this, what's the sort of food you're doing in there then? Um, it's live fire inspired. It's not all. Um, low and slow. There's a lot of grilling in there. There's um, there's a mixture of stuff. Yeah, um, wood fired oven and stuff like that in there. You've got, haven't you? Well, yeah, we've had all that in, but we do have a bit of a problem with that because the extractor uh, we had a bit of problem with the extractor, and um, it kept setting off the alarms in, the, in our neighbour's shop. <laughs> and uh, so we had uh, we've, yeah, we've got some modi- we've got some modifications to do to it. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, John from Grosstock was saying that they haven't they haven't opened up a a restaurant without setting off the the fire alarms and having the whole fire crew out yeah. for nothing. Oh, every yeah. everything <laughs> a restaurant he's ever opened. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
So, yeah, so that's, we have fun and games with the extraction, definitely. <laughs> awesome. Cool. So, you, you also, you've, you, uh, well, I know from a few guys that have sort of helped and competed uh, in, in a team with you at sort of barbecue competitions. So, when did you sort of uh, get involved with, with the sort of US barbecue competitions? Um, I think around 2007 or 8, yeah. I think. 2007, I think. Cool. Something like that. And how how was the sort of scene scene back then? Was that was that uh, UK based competitions, or, or were you travelling and competing? Or no, I'd, I'd travel. I'd go over there. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, in them days, cracky, it was it was it was trying to find out the knowledge. It was um, yeah. getting to learn from the guys. And a lot of the times, I'd go out there to a contest, not even to compete, just to find out what was going on and learning about stuff and learning about all the lies that they tell you, you know. But, um, I can remember one guy who was showing me, and Chris Birmingham, was, and he's a great bloke, and uh, he, was, he was, I was in a whole hog with him, I think it was about 2006 or seven. and um, so I said, so Chris, what's this that's going on now? He says, sugar. So I tasted it, and I said, Chris, that's more like nitrite, and he started smiling, and he didn't tell me, and I says, don't bullshit me, you know, don't tell me the lies. And that's all they'll do, you know, they'll, they'll tell you a lot of truth, they'll tell you a lot of lies, and I suppose it's wor- it was working it out, what was what they were actually doing. Yeah. You so know. it was a, a big yeah. learning curve. <laughs> it was a big learning curve, yeah. yeah. But um, a lot of it was just to learn um, the American way of cooking for the event business. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I was just learning about the different styles of cooking and live fire um, barbecue, if you want, from from around the world. So that's what I'm interested in. I'm not just interested in um, cookery competitions and stuff. I'm no. more interested in le- learning and um, making my business better. Yeah, it. so it was just like another trip to to anywhere really to, to Southeast Asia or or India or, yeah. or anywhere. It was it was more uh, an experiment and and sort of uh, a learning. Research, research project, project <laughs> to be honest, yeah. Yeah, de- definitely, definitely, definitely. And then, um, and I suppose it's it's by, from that learning and it's from um, things that go wrong. I mean, the amount of times that we've done events and, um, and especially in the earlier days where things would go wrong and you had to do things to make it work and make it happen. And you, you just learn things. You're like, crack, I didn't know I could do that. And, you know, the time when I was doing... Um, uh, a spit roast lamb on a hog on a, a spit roast lamb on a gas rotisserie. I think about two thousand and six or five or something like that. And the, it, for some reason, couldn't get the gas working. We had one hour left before the people came back from the cuisine. They're like, "What am I going to do?" <laughs> so we spat spat the lamb and threw it on um, the Weber Ranch kettle, and um, and we had it done, and it came out better than it would have done before and I thought to myself well there's another little thing that we've just learned you know what I mean and, and it was at that point where all the gas went out of the window we got rid of it all and we just went all completely charcoal after that yeah awesome it's a good way to go yeah, <laughs> yeah. it is <laughs> and it's always been like that since <laughs> thankfully <laughs> so 
what, what sort of style of cookers do you, do you use now then? So you were saying that uh, I see you using a Kamado a lot. Uh, yeah, I use different types. I'll use a, um, a green egg, I'll use a primo, I'll use, um, <laughs> I, don't know what, I don't know what they're called. Some of these copies that come in, or they call them copies, but whatever they are, yeah. they come in from abroad. Um, I've used many of them. Um, I'm, having a Perilla gr- I'm having a Perilla grill built as we speak for next season. Um which is really funky. I don't think I've seen one like it. I've, I've sort of put a few designs that I've seen of different things together. Again, there's sort of you know, a fusion of things, if you like. Um, yeah. So I'm really excited about that. That's going to be good. And another big thing that I'm going to be using next year is I've got um, a 10-foot-long uh, Brazilian rotisserie. Wow. Cool. Um, it's got something like 120 skewers along with it. Um, wow. And I'm looking, I'm looking forward to getting that going for next season as well. Awesome. I like to I like to keep moving. Um, just keep moving. Yeah, with it sounds time. like it. I'm moving ahead of the times. It sounds like because <laughs> I, I like to keep it. I like to keep it going. Do you know what I mean? So, um, so next year we might be able to offer you know the the ultimate barbecue circus with everything. <laughs> yeah, definitely with your wall of fire. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. So um, we've got a smoker, which is about um, which is about fifteen, sixteen foot long, which is uh, a towable. And I've had that, I had that custom made um, three years ago. And I put a firebox at both ends so that I can roast at higher heats as well. So it's not just a case of doing the smoking in the low and slow. I can actually grill in there. I can bake in there. Um, and we can, we can do the low and slow. I'll probably fit three whole hogs in. Um, so there's a, there's a fair bit of space in there. But it, so it was designed so that I could get the high heat up in there as well. Do you know what I mean? If you wanted to roast yeah. the fuff or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it's not just, a, for me, it wasn't just all about the low and slow. Yeah, definitely. So you designed that yourself, you said? Yeah. Yeah, and then just got someone to custom build it? Yeah, well, a friend of mine um, is the chief engineer for a, for a metal manufacturing company. You know, he designs all sorts of things. And uh, he drew a CAD CAM design of it for me after I told him what I wanted. They took it down to the fabricators and they built it. And I just used to go down every Monday and would tweak it because it was, it was a brand new project. It wasn't built from anything. It wasn't copied from anything or anything. So it was sort of being built as, as we did it. And um, it took them about 10 or 12 months to make it. They did it through the winter for me. So while they were quiet and they didn't have much to do, I said, I'm not in a rush for it. And mm. they just... Um, so they did it a lot less money for me, yeah. and, um, and they just built it through the winter, and in their um, in their bits of downtime or spare time on weekends. So did you, did it, you get it, it right straight it away, or did you have to go <coughs> go back and tweak it? And we've not it? gone back and tweaked it um, at all. Although it's going to go back this year, just with a few little tiny mods on it, um, but next to nothing. I thought you know we didn't do a bad job for our first attempt. Yeah, I was going to say, like, to get the airflow right and stuff like that, if you're going to nail yeah. it the first time and you're doing pretty well. It all, it all works. I mean, yeah, it all, it all works really well. Yeah, it does. In fact, uh, in fact it shocks me. But the, we've insulated it. It's got about one and a half inches all the way of uh, wow. insulation. Must be heavy, all the way through. <laughs> So it, it is heavy. It weighs around, uh, well, it weighs just over a ton. But it's very well balanced. Uh, you can... You know, one one man could push it on his own. 
it's it's well balanced and it, and it mm. travels well. Uh, I think the, I think the worst thing is when you go when you go down to Vama or Lorry and you're towing it, you can't see it. Yeah. And uh, sometimes you think, is it still there? Because you can't feel it. <laughs> 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 yeah, so visions of it, you know, coming past me on the motorways. <laughs> But, uh, no, no, <laughs> it works well. Having like so many different options, how do you choose what you're going to take with you when you go to do your cook? Um, <clears throat> well, it depends on what menu they've chose. So we'll we put our, our menus. We, we write, um, in fact, I'm in the process of writing it now for next year. We write a brochure every year, which is about 20 pages. And, um, That's awesome. And then it depends on what menu and what... You know, are we serving it indoors? Are we serving it outdoors? Is it table service or is it? Do you know what I mean? So, um, the menu and the kit that we take is dependent on my facilities. Cool. Yeah, makes sense. You know, so and also what type of menu it is. Mm. Yeah. So you know, like certain things need to be cooked on on the set different cookers. So you just take which yeah. whatever you need to. It's just almost like a yeah, pick, pick and mix, isn't it? Of like. Well, they're picking these things off the menu, so I need these cookers to go along with it. That's right. Even if we're, even if it's just a grilling job, um, we'll still take the big smoker as a as a food warmer, if you like. Yeah. Cool. Just mean we can keep keep a lot of food hot in there. Yeah, um, that looks awesome. I think yeah. for me next year, my my big thing is um, for the visual thing. I want everything to look like. Um, something I want it all to be visual well the big smoker's great but it's not very visual you know the door's shut on it and there's nothing happening you, know, you can't see anything so that's why I'm a big Perilla grill um, theatre mm. yeah very very much so um, the Perilla grill and the Brazilian rotisserie I think for me are going to be the killers for us next year I think we're going to hopefully do really well with them yeah have you seen the products that are made by barbecue mates because they have some quite showy stuff with all like different designs and stuff they do, don't they? Yeah, yeah. I've, I've only seen pictures of them, and I've, well, I've seen some. I've seen them in the flesh. I've not been down to their, their warehouse. Yeah. Uh, what about uh, things like uh, cat eye fireballs and stuff? Mm. They're pretty cool to have. Yeah. They're, they're like really quite sort of theatrical and and really look the part. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot of stuff out there, and, and I mean it depends on where you go. In like different parts of the world, you see stuff. We we were doing something in the um, uh, the world food. Uh, what was it called? World Food Convention or something in Perth in, go- in the government buildings, <clears throat> and there was about twenty odd um, countries cooking their national dishes, and over half of them were cooking on live fire, which I thought was brilliant. Yeah, you know, so there's all sorts of types of methods and stuff out there. Yeah, well, it is the original way to cook, isn't it? It is. That's it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, and. You know, these um, chefs that are chefs, the top chefs, they're always willing to learn because, I mean, although they can cook, you know, like real troopers, um, they're probably not used to cooking with charcoal and briquettes and with logs and and the likes, you know. Um, So they're always keen to learn. So it's it's good for us. We've got good relationships with some chefs where we can swap information and and things like that. Did you offer, like, master classes or anything? I used to do quite a few classes, but I don't do any now. I tend to be too busy. Even when I've tried arranging some, for, like we tried arranging some for last year, and I ended up taking a big corporate job on. So I've I got to the point where it was just like I felt like I was letting people down. Yeah, so it's best and, off just um, to leave it for the time being. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. How 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 did you find it for the last year? Sort of having a, a 
a premises that you were running, so having a restaurant you were running, and and still doing like some of the catering jobs on the side and stuff. How how was that for you? Was that a big step up? Is that something a bit different? Been a an interesting year to say the least. Because <laughs> usually, um, usually what I would normally do at the end of October sort of time, I'd take some time out and sort of from through the winter. Um, wouldn't work as much if you know what I mean. I'd do a lot of travelling, um, go see people, um, have have a bit of a social life because yeah. through the summer we really do work hard and um, Penny, myself and the team, we go all over, we work really hard and we, we try and sort of take as much time off in the winter as we could possibly do and um, do a lot of research for the next year and all that sort of thing. Now, with us taking on uh, a restaurant, um, that's totally filled me up. Um, <laughs> um, Not much chill out um, time. P- particularly last year, when it was all new to us, um, it, it was so difficult because I'm used to sort of um, a, a corporate client, for example, saying, right, okay, we've got 200 people being fed at 130. Well, that's yeah. easy. We know what we're doing. We're going in there, we're setting it up, and we're serving all them people in one go, and all we're doing. A restaurant... People well, walking through the door. Two people come in, and then you got to cook for two people, and then you get a ten, and then you get a six, and a five, and a, and a one, and and it's totally different to what we're used to with the events. Uh, I found it very, very strange to start with. Um, so, what, what sort of adjustments got... did you have to make to to your sort of cooking styles, or or how did you how did you cope with that sort of change? Um, yeah, it was, it was difficult. It was very difficult. I thought I'd find it easy, and I didn't. I found it quite a challenge, um, and especially as I was still running the catering uh, the event operation as well, and then trying to deal with um, the, the restaurant, which at the time was seven days. And now we've cut it to five. Um, it was it was really really hard, and then trying to find the best ways of regening the meat and all that sort of thing. Um, it was it wasn't an easy. No, it wasn't easy at imagine. all. No, it was a to- totally new, new learning curve. Although I'd sort of been in many restaurants, I've supplied meat in hundreds of restaurants and stuff. The restaurant game to the event game is two totally different animals, two totally different ones. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, well, I don't know how many people are going to walk through the door tonight. Um, yeah, if I was doing a corporate day, I'd know that there was going to be 120 people coming at one o'clock. Yeah, type of thing. A lot more moving um, parts uh, in the restaurant then. Sorry. A lot more moving parts in the restaurant, then. Yes, there are, and there's you know there's, uh, things that um, things that could go um, wrong, like um, <laughs> um, sorry. <laughs> Don't worry, it's all right. Sorry. It's okay. No, 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 it's fine. I've got uh, a traffic warden on me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, you did say. <laughs> Do you need to go? We're um, we're almost no, we're we're approaching no. our um our hour mark almost. So you, if you need to go, you can <laughs> might might give us a a position to stop. <laughs> no, it's fine. Uh, that's quite funny. <laughs> Run! <laughs> <I> just, uh, <laughs> we'll spin off quick. <laughs> I just put the headlights on and turn the engine on and he walks off. Um, <laughs> yeah, so lots of things uh, can go wrong in the restaurant. Oh, lots of things, yeah. So, it's, so if it's not um, if it's not a drink order being correct, or if it's not a waitress doing something wrong, there's always something constantly on it. 
So I've got um, an operations manager who works um, for me, and she runs um, most of everything. She runs a lot of what we do on the event side, and I've brought her into the restaurant to set up uh, systems and stuff in there. Uh, I've got two really good chefs working in there now, um, which awesome. is fab. It gives me more it gives me more time to chat with people and, and stuff. And, and also, I mean, we get a lot of our business now from the events over this past year, um, through the restaurant where people didn't know that we did events and we're coming to the restaurant and they'll book us to do you know, um, awesome. a rally down in Anglesey or something. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, cool. Really cool. I suppose it must have been hard like going into the restaurants and not be... So I would have supposed that you would have previously been able to sort of make it to most of your events and be at almost all of your events and then when you open the restaurant you couldn't be in two places at once. That must have been a, uh, a well, difficult yeah. sort of uh, time for you. The uh, the events I was at uh, the events I, I, I get to I must do I'm at ninety seven percent of our events and um, and I always will be at ninety seven percent of my events and next year hopefully I'll be at hundred percent of them. Um, I've got some great guys now in the kitchens up at uh, the Blues Bar, um, but I always go in there just about every day I'm, I'll be working I'm in, working in there tonight I'll be working in there this evening um, but I do, I do have to split myself up a little bit and I don't like doing that so much yeah um, the, the, the restaurant bit um, had to come second fiddle to the events last year because everyone books me to, to, to see me and stuff at the events yeah um, so the restaurant um but, but don't forget as well, the events are not seven days a week as well. So yeah. Namely, you might get a corporate day or two through the week and, and a Saturday or something like that, and, a, and a, maybe an average week. So, you know, the, the majority of the week I was actually at the restaurant. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and, I'm, and I did miss a couple of uh, events. Uh, a couple of them where we were double booked or... or something like that where we might have had a wedding on at one place we might have a birthday party on it somewhere else and, and that sort of thing so we can only go to one of them whereas this coming year we're trying to just have one event per day yeah and, and make, make it, it worthwhile definitely yeah just definitely make it um, <clears throat> make it worthwhile um, cool in, in a financial way so that um, we're probably doing less events but at a higher margin so I have to I have to say that I mean we are we are sort of at the end of the, the hour now and it's absolutely flown by and we could chat for ages. It yeah, just seems like you are I mean you've done so so much already and, and you're really sort of pushing to do more and always looking to do more, which is amazing. It seems like you've sort of uh, I mean a lot of people have mentioned your name as sort of one of the sort of founders of of or the real sort of uh, a catalyst of UK barbecue and, and sort of like outdoor cooking and sort of our fresco cooking and, and and all the rest of it and uh you've definitely lived up to that yeah definitely lived up to that yeah well there's lots there's lots of we've done and, and we've, it's been a really enjoyable chat with us we should chat longer yeah um, definitely we'll have to get you back on again another day another part uh, we'll need a part two i think yeah yeah do another one <laughs> awesome. awesome thank you so much yeah. for coming on andy and giving up your time and you're about to you're got work already and uh <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it's been an absolute pleasure and thank you for 
Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no, thank you very much. We'll have to we'll have to make our way up to the restaurant at some point. So, uh, thank you yeah, very much. Can but, do it. Yeah, definitely. definitely. We'll do. Cool. Catch you soon. Thanks, Cheers, Andy. Mate. Thanks. Cheers, bro. You're welcome. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers Bye. Bye. Oh, I haven't got my. Uh... <laughs> You've got your auto cue ready. Oh, uh, before we go, we should probably say to find no. Andy on like, social media. You can go onto twitter.com forward slash Andy Annett. And his website is crackerjackbarbecue.co.uk. So I should have asked him to say that, but he, I didn't want that traffic warden to catch him. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks for tuning in, guys. We've recorded yet another awesome podcast to get you over hump day. As always, we're brought to you by ProQ Barbecue Gourmet and Smoke with Shack, our awesome sponsors. Oh, you've got the wrong one. And Kamado Joe. Yippee. ProQ is dedicated to providing you with quality smoking products with top-notch service and free advice for beginners to pit masters. And you can find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under ProQ Smokers. So if you're thinking about buying your first smoker, want to upgrade, or looking for a charcoal cabinet smokers, check them out over at Max Barbecue. He says I got the wrong one, but here he is typing in Komodo Joe now. Oh. Okay, right. So uh, Barbecue Gourmet is devoted to promoting real barbecue and supplying the UK and Europe with top championship winning barbecue rubs, sauces, marinades, and accessories from the US and around the world. And you can find them on Twitter and online under Barbecue Gourmet. So regardless of how you cook, whether it's on charcoal, wood, gas, or electric, the real taste of summer can be yours all year round. And Commander Joe is renowned for build quality and innovation. From smoking, roasting, or searing, Commander Joe is the premium ceramic grill chosen by Michelin star chefs and barbecue enthusiasts alike. Get that great barbecue taste and keep the moisture locked in. Check out commandojoe.co.uk plus Facebook and Twitter. <laughs> what? Smoke with Shack delivers quality smoking wood every time. They provide the smoky goodness, you provide the talent. So if you're looking for some smoking wood chunks, dust, chips or planks, then head on over to smokewoodshack.com and you can find them on Twitter and and Twitter at Smoke with Shack. <laughs> it's a shambles. I thought you were a professional. <laughs> uh, goodbye from me. And me and I'm the best cook. Let me press the button to stop it today because it's not fair. You always get to press it. <laughs> can you go oh. cry somewhere else? I'm the best barbecue.